I want to thank you for the good things that you have done, that you are doing, that you're continuing to do. I ask that you would help me to just deliver the message that you have placed upon my heart quickly and concisely. Bring understanding to those that hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as it was Mother's Day and I was getting ready to prepare a message for Mother's Day, I began to think of the changing role of women in our society. Now it seems that even in this area we face the full spectrum of beliefs. On the one end we have people entrenched in what we would see as the traditional role of wife and mother, marriage, children, stay-at-home mom, raising children, tending the house. Her whole life should be devoted to her husband and to her children. Taken to the extreme, the thought seems to be that the only way a woman could ever fulfill her highest calling is by having babies and staying at home to look after them. In some religious circles, it has even been taught that the more babies a woman can pump out, the holier she must be. Does it really matter if the family income can support them as long as they keep having babies? That's on the one end. On the other end of the spectrum, it denies that a woman will have different emotions or feelings than a man. So if she is not holding down a full-time job, then she must be slacking off. Because she is as capable as any man, she's expected to get a career, work long hours, prove herself as being able to handle anything. In fact, it is even hinted that if a woman doesn't find a full-time job outside of the home, that she's really not carrying her own weight and is just living off of her husband. Now the children should certainly never interfere with mom's plans and goals for life. In the extreme cases, I have heard that even some stay-at-home moms are referred to as nothing more than paid bed partners. Both sides are wrong. I believe both of those views are completely messed up. At different times of growth in our life, our priorities ought to change, and consequently the things we focus on should change. When we have reached the place where we feel that we are ready and willing to have children, we should be ready and willing to be able to support them properly. If we're going to have children, we should be supporting them, not looking for somebody else to do it. Proper support is more than just money. It means spiritually supporting them. It means mentally and emotionally supporting them as well as physical. When two people decide to have a child, they are making a commitment not only to each other, not only to God, but also to that child. When two people choose to have a child, they are making a commitment that should last for the rest of that child's life or at least as long as the parent lives. Well, I believe that being a mother that is capable of staying at home and training the children in the family's values and morals is the absolute best. I also know that some mothers are better off bringing their children to someone who has the temperament, the maturity, and the desire to raise those children in a healthy environment. A mother who is not willing or able to break certain addictions in her own life should not be passing those things on to her children. I have nothing against mothers, I have nothing against fathers, but if you cannot raise those children properly, then give them a chance. The story that Pastor Jerry was referring to a little earlier about the dog, I just heard it this last week and I thought it was sort of interesting. It spoke about a German shepherd at the end of World War II. This German shepherd was a a bomb-sniffing dog, and one day while it was out sniffing bombs, it ended up getting the back end blown off. Both of its hind legs got destroyed in a bomb blast but managed to get back to camp. Well, of course, because the dog was a member of the crew, they took every care that they could, and they nursed this dog back to health, only to find out that she was pregnant and delivered nine puppies. Having no hind legs, 
this dog was unable to walk properly. Surprise. So she would walk on her front legs and drag her behind end along behind her on the ground. The interesting thing was that all nine of her puppies walked the same way. They were all fully healthy. They were all fully complete. But because the mother had raised them to be handicapped, they acted handicapped even though they didn't have to. I believe there's a very powerful lesson in that. See, we often don't think that the things we are teaching our children are going to matter that much, and yet really the things that we teach our children may handicap or help them much more than any of the things that they're going to learn beyond that. That's why I feel that if a parent cannot be a proper parent, then let the child have the opportunity to get as proper or good as possible an upbringing. I read a Facebook post to children recently, and it cautioned them that some mothers in the wild eat their young, so they best behave because their mother might be one of them. I think I've met some of those mothers in my lifetime. Not every person that has a child is properly suited to raise a child. But for today, I re- today, I'm really not wanting to meddle upon what form of family you establish, as long as you establish something that will protect the children. I don't want to focus on which way is right or wrong. I would rather focus on how we can make the most of our lives in whatever situation we find ourselves. You know, very often we hear the excuses that, well, I've had so much go against me. I've had this be wrong. That's been wrong. And the excuses may well be valid. But really what we need to learn to do is whatever place we find ourselves in today, how do we use this situation? How do we make this situation be the place from where we start, from where we move, to be the best that we can be? How do we start today to make our lives count at this point? See, too many times we spend our time in regrets. We spend our time looking back and saying, well, if I hadn't done this or if I hadn't done that. We spend our times looking backwards when we ought to be looking forwards. The past can never be changed. We learn the lessons of the past and then we move into the future and we start doing what we can do today to change the future. So how do we take today? How do we move from today? And move into the best future that we can have. When we stand before our Lord and Savior one day, I believe that we should all be wanting to say, I did the best that I could with what you gave me. See, God is not requiring us to do the best that somebody else can do. He's only requiring us to do the best that we can do. Being Mother's Day, I thought it would be nice to find a mother to use as an example in the Bible. I didn't find a mother in the Bible that had exactly the example I wanted, but I did find a woman that bloomed exactly where she was planted. Now, she may have been a mother. The Bible doesn't say that she wasn't. But as a woman that used whatever she had to be exactly everything that she could be and to be the best that she could be, her name is Dorcas, and we find her recorded in the book of Acts, a believer in the city of Joppa who did something with her life. Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 42 say, Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. And whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. 
Then Peter arose, and he went with them. And when he was come, they brought him to the upper chamber, and all of the widows stood by him weeping, and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth, and he kneeled down, and he prayed. And turning him to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand, and he lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. See, everything that we know about Dorcas is found in these seven verses. We find no other reference to her. We find no other place where they talk about her. But we do find everything about Dorcas that the Bible records in these seven verses. And although we see absolutely nothing about her social standing... It mentions nothing about her marital status. It mentions nothing about whether she had children or not. But what we can find out in these seven verses is that she left a testimony that impacted people strong enough that they felt it would be important to add it into the Word of God. By examining these point, or this verse, these seven verses, I believe that there are three points that stand out that we should all really be striving to live at. The very first point is be something. Dorcas may or may not have been a mother, but she has left an example for mothers everywhere. She has left an example not only for mothers, she has left an example for every woman, for every man, or for every child that would ever have been born after her time. She has left an example for all of us by doing something, by being something, and by leaving something. If she was a mother, her children would have received the best teaching available because they would have learnt things by her example. She would have been a woman whose children would rise up and call her blessed, according to Proverbs 31 and 28. See, wealth did not earn Dorcas a mention in the Bible. It wasn't because she had great wealth. It wasn't because she had a great social standing. She didn't have a huge fame for nobody knew her outside of Joppa. But it was her love for the Lord and the joy that she found in helping the poor that is recorded in the scriptures. When Dorcas died, the widow started showing Peter the robes and the different clothing that she had been making for them. When Dorcas passed away, there was mourning because she was known as a person that was willing to reach out and to do something, not just to sit by and watch idly. You know, we might look at it today and say, well, what could Dorcas do? Well, it was obvious that she could sew. So she started sewing. Maybe she knitted, I don't know. But she made robes, she made clothing, and she passed them out. And it caused the people to mourn when she passed away. So being something to someone in need will cause you to be remembered forever. I'm sure most of us have people that we can remember that were there when we needed them. We all have people that we can remember that were always there when we needed them, the time that we needed them. They were there. They gave us that shoulder. They gave us that hand. They gave us that helpful hand up. They were willing to invest of themselves in us. It may have been years ago, but when we think back to those times, it was like it was just yesterday. That person that went out of their way to be there. When we think of those people, it is always with fond memories. Now, for most people, that may very well be their mothers. 
how mom was always there. Mom was there to fix the scraped knee. Mom was there to heal, heal the wounded heart. Mom was there to help make things not as bad as they used to be. For most people, it was always mom that if they could do nothing else, mom could sit there and say, oh. <laughs> and everything was better. And if that didn't fix it, a slice of hot bread would. <laughs> For most people, looking back, it was mom, but even if it wasn't mom, I believe everybody in their life has had somebody that made a difference. It may have been a school teacher, it may have been a neighbor, it may have been somebody that was willing to be something, that was willing to be something for you. For myself, probably the fondest memories I would have would have been of my grandmother. For me, it was my grandmother Bueller. When we would talk to Grandma Bueller, it didn't matter what was happening in her house or in her world. At that moment, there was absolutely nothing more important than me. You remember that? That could have been at least 30 years ago. <laughs> Maybe more. But you know, I still remember walking into Grandma's house, and I can remember the smell of her house. In fact, not long ago, I was somewhere, and I told my wife, I said, this is how Grandma's house used to smell. I could remember everything about that place. It wasn't the fanciest place. It wasn't the biggest place. There may have been a lot of people could find a lot of things wrong. I can remember, though, when you walked in, Grandma dropped what was happening, sat down at the table across from you, got you a cookie, and you talked. I remember the cookies. Hard cookies with sugar on top. Red sugar. And now we had to talk. Why? Because you had showed up at her house. You were right now the most important thing in her world. If the bread had to go in the oven, it would wait. Yes, sometimes we ate flat bread at Grandma's house. Because some of her grandkids had been there. Fifty years later, those are still memories that bring all sorts of other memories with them. You know, we all have somebody like that. Maybe it was that teacher that went out of their way. Maybe it was the person at the library. Maybe it was the neighbor. Somebody that went out of their way to be something. See, when I think of my grandmother, it's always with fond memories. I don't remember my grandmother ever being upset. Like me, she was very even-tempered. <laughs> I don't remember my grandmother ever running everybody else down. Was it necessary in her world? I do remember my grandmother praying. I do remember my grandmother's German Bible laying open on the table most times when you get there. Fond memories. So the first thing that Dorcas did was she was something. She said, I will be something. And I think that's something we all need to recognize because we can all be something for somebody. We can all meet people that just need somebody to come along and say, hey, we can handle it. The second thing Dorcas, we can learn from Dorcas, was she said, do something. So we need to examine ourselves and we need to ask ourselves, are we doing what we can? Are our lives making a difference in somebody else's life? Are we using our talents? 
Are we doing all we can to promote God's kingdom and to see that God and His Word stay foremost in somebody else's life? Dorcas did. She was known for doing good and for helping the poor. Now Peter could look at the clothes that she had made and she could, he could see that she had used her talent, her ability to make clothes to help the needy in the church. Dorcas did something. Dorcas was not part of the gospel that turned around and said, well, somebody ought to do something. Dorcas was the one that stood up and said, I can do something. You know, throughout history, we have different women that we could look at. And, you know, I would think of Dorcas and I might look at somebody like Mother Teresa. Born into a wealthy family. Good standing, good class, yet she never ever used that as her opportunity to get herself into places. She was willing to give that up and to go to the slums of Calcutta and do something and be something. No, she didn't change the whole world, but she changed one area of the world. And she did it so effectively that the leaders of the world, the leaders of the Christian world and the leaders of the non-Christian world wanted an audience with her. They recognized the sacrifice that she had made. They recognized that she was willing to step outside of saying somebody should do something and was willing to say, I can do something. It might not be much, but I can do something. There's a story that's told about a fellow was watching a, walking down the beach early one morning, and as he's walking down the beach, he saw somebody in front of him that was running up and down and jumping and doing different things and seemed to be tossing and like some sort of wild dance. And finally, when he caught up, he was like, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? And there was a lady, and she looks and she says, I'm throwing the starfish back into the ocean that got washed up during the night. And he looked and he says, You're foolish. Don't you know how many hundreds of thousands of starfish have got washed up at night? You can't save them all. And she picked up one and she threw it back in. She said, but I saved him. Can we save them all? I don't know. But we can all save that one. We can all help that one if we are willing to do something. Dorcas did something. Now, in a church, there were many people with talents, but they refused to use them. There's many people in a church setting that have talents, but they're not always dependable. You know, they may sign up to volunteer, but then they only show up when they want to. Yes, I'll be there. I'll be helpful. You can count on me. Count on me. I will be there. But if something else comes along that they feel is more important or more fun than serving as an usher that Sunday, a nursery worker or a choir member, They'll do that instead. Oh, well, yeah, I was going to come to music practice, but you know, something came up. Well, what came up? My friends from out of town were in. I want to go for coffee with them. How far out of town? Oh, like a mile. <laughs> was your word? What was your word? Yeah, well, you know, I really like this. I really want to get involved. Okay, well, why don't we start off well, hey, that's a commitment. Uh-huh. Well, I love kids. I'd like to help in kids' church. Okay, make a commitment for three months. Three months? I want to mo- Next week I was going to help. If you have a talent, you have a joy, go for it. Do it. Use it. Often they will even blame it on the Spirit as leading them to do the other thing and break their word. Yes, I know I gave my word, but the Spirit led me over here. So the Spirit led you to be a liar. 
What spirit are you listening to? Sorry. No, I'm not. (laughs) Then they wonder why they're not receiving the things that they're believing God for. You know, God rewards the faithful only. He says he causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, but he says the rewards are for the faithful. So scripture says that Dorcas was always doing good in verse 36. So your reward from God might not come after two or three weeks, but if you continue to use your talents for good, you will continually reap the reward of your diligence and your faithfulness. The rewards can come in different ways. And, you know, when I was trying to think, you know, as I was writing this, I thought, you know, so what are some of the best rewards that I have ever received? There are so many. I couldn't even begin. Yes, there's been financial rewards. There's been things that we've been blessed with that were so totally unexpected that we never thought. But you know, then there's been cards that had a heartfelt message in them and you knew the heart that this had come out of. And you just want to tear up and go, man, could there be anything better? Somebody's life has been changed for eternity. What more? What more could we want? What more could we say? What are the rewards? I don't know if I can even start. But we start watching God's hand moving in situations. We start seeing God's hand in every situation. Galatians says not to be weary in well-doing. You will reap in due season if you faint not. Dorcas said, I will be something. I will do something. And Dorcas said, I will leave something. Dorcas left something of a much greater value than a large house and lands. She left her life imprinted on the pages of the lives of others. What was her motivation? Her love for others and the love of God and a desire to do His will. We have no record that she got prosperous from helping the poor. We have no record that she ended up receiving. We do have a record that when she died, the church, the people that she had helped were so concerned that they called for the elders of the church to pray for her. We're not ready to let her go yet. What kind of reward is that? (laughs) To me, that speaks highly. If you pass away and some bunch of people get together and say, oh, no, no, God, we're not ready to let them go yet. Much better than saying, okay, let's get them in the ground. Come on. Dorcas left something that was so much greater because she left her life imprinted on the lives of the other people. Once Dorcas did pass away, do you not think that they still would have talked about this was the coat that Dorcas made for me? These were the robes that Dorcas made when I had nothing. Dorcas did this when I was. She left a testimony to something that was greater than her. Her love for others and the love of God and a desire to his will, do His will should motivate us also to leave something in somebody else's life. Now we're talking about Mother's Day, so obviously we can talk and say, well, mothers should be doing this. But I believe it's just as important for men to do this. In fact, sometimes I think it's almost more important for men to do this. 
as I move around in this world in different circles, one of the things that keeps striking me time and time again is how many men there are in this world that have never had a good relationship with their fathers. In fact, I had a friend of mine, he spoke, he had gone to the youth center. A bunch of young people were incarcerated, and there had been something like 30 young, young men in the room. And he'd asked, he says, how many of you here have a good relationship with your father? Not one hand went up. That tells you something. He says, how many of you here would want a good relationship with your father? Not one hand went up. There was no history of saying, I want a relationship with my dad. Dad had no value. Mother had been there. Mother had stepped in. Mother had taken her role and his role. Mother had done everything she needed to do, and you couldn't talk against their mother without getting your face punched in, maybe. But dad didn't matter. Church, it's time the men stand up and take their place. It's Mother's Day, but I believe mothers have carried the bulk of the burden much too long. It's time for us men to take our place and say, hey, you didn't have that child by yourself. I may not have given much, but I did give. And then be there. Our love for God should motivate us to be a father, to reach out, to love, to raise sons that are capable of loving and taking responsibility. Our love for God should encourage us to take the steps we need that the next generation will come to know God as fathers and mothers both, as parents. People were a priority for, Dor- for Dorcas. As citizens of God's kingdom, our priority also needs to be to serve others, to serve our families, to serve our church families, to serve our co-workers, to serve our neighbors. You know, the Bible speaks very clearly about that in the kingdom of God, he says, in the kingdom of the world, you are used to trying to get everybody to serve you. But in the kingdom of God, you need to learn to serve others. In fact, it goes so far as to say that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be a servant of all. Find your strength, find your ability, find what you can do, and then do something. What can you do? Well, not much. I love what Ricky shared. He says, on the plane, I'm going, oh, what have I got myself into? I know that feeling, that happily terrified feeling. I'm 10,000 feet in the air, fast going somewhere that I don't know what's going to happen. But you know, God is faithful. When you land, you find out what you can do. (laughs) Hey, I got a pair of arms. I can hug a child. I got a mouth. I can tell somebody that they're special in the eyes of God. I can let them know that God has a love for them, that they have great value, that they have a great worth. 
I can let somebody know that it doesn't matter what the enemy has been trying to tell them. God has a plan and a future for them that will give them hope. I can do that. Yeah, but you don't know these kids. You don't know those kids. No, but I know my God and I know that people matter to God. See, we should never excuse ourselves for being selfish or self-centered. Well, I'm too busy. I'm too important. I've got too many things to do. I can't, I just don't have time to stop and help people. You've missed the whole point. Rather, we should always be looking for ways that we can reach out, that we can help others. Remember, a part of us will never die. We know our bodies will go to the grave. We know our spirits will go to either heaven or hell. But the influence that we have in somebody else's life is never going to die. Fifty years later, I can still talk about my grandmother. And I have fond memories only. The impact we have on those around us will touch the next generation. My grandmother was the first person to ever prophesy that I would be a minister. Is that why I became a minister? I don't know. may well have been. But as a baby, she had held me. She looked into my, into my eyes and said in German, this one is a minister. Here I am. See, when we come to the end of our earthly lives, how will we be remembered? We can choose today to live in such a way that we stand before our Maker. We'll be able to say, I did the best that I could with what you gave me. I was something. I did something. And I left something. I want to encourage the mothers this morning. You may feel you're not making impact on your children. I want to encourage the mothers that don't even have children. You may think you're not making an impact. But if you are able to love a child, you're making an impact. If you are able to love somebody else and reach out to be something, to do something, to leave something, you are writing a destiny that is far greater than what you can imagine. So let's not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we will reap if we faint not. Does it feel hard? Often. Does it feel like it's worth it? Not always. Is it worth it? Yes. And every so often we catch those glimpses where we know this is why we do it. This is my reward. So Father, I want to thank you this morning for the opportunity to share this word. I want to thank you that you are a God that is faithful, that is true. That you are a God that has gifted each of us, given us talents and abilities. And I ask that you would help us, Father, to fulfill the call that you have placed upon our lives. I pray, Father, for each person that hears this sermon, that we would let the past be gone, that we would release it and refuse to drag it with us, that we would look today 
at the future that you have placed before us and walk towards that freed from every burden, from every concern. I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, before we leave, I would like to just recognize all of the mothers at